Hey kids, how you doing? Um, I'm doing something. Hey, uh, oh, okay. I was gonna introduce um, you. That's fine. Uh, this is oh, Landon. Um, he doesn't he doesn't understand the the structure of a podcast because he he spends all day near really loud uh, drums and like smacks them with sticks and stuff. But um, what? Hello. Oh, that was a joke. That was that was a joke. I got it. Yeah, I understood. I understood the joke. Anyway, uh, this is uh, a bit of a different video. Usually, uh, you're used to me like reviewing films and TV shows like on a podcast with like two, you know, at least two other people to three other people. Um, with this, I wanted to take my friend who also does the music for the podcast that I do um, and kind of get the musician's interpretation of like these music oriented films. So I thought we'd start out with one that he seems to like really want to talk about. Which is a uh, whiplash. So that friend of mine is named Landon. Landon, introduce yourself to the people. Hi, how's it going? My name's Landon. Um, I am a musician. I play the drums. Um, currently finishing a degree in music in Mississippi, and um, yeah, just here to talk about some uh, drumming movie. So so let's let's talk about Whiplash. So with Whiplash, right? Um Whiplash, uh I think it was was 2017 was nominated for best picture. Um had uh JK Simmons, Miles Teller, and Melissa Benoist, and it's basically about this kid who ends up at like this really like I mean, he's like what the number one music college or like one of the best music colleges in the country. And he's trying to play drums so, and Oh, go ahead. So, um the Schaefer Conservatory is sort of like a fictitious. Yeah, I figured Juilliard it wasn't. I, I figured it wasn't or, real. Or uh, a Manhattan School of Music. Um, it's a conservatory, and so their main focus is performing, the like the performance aspect of music. But most conservatories don't have jazz programs, so it's a very interesting take on you know, what is actually available for jazz musicians who want to, you know, pursue music in college. Yeah. So, um, I guess you could kind of, uh, relate to that a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, a it, it's a pretty, um, I, I just want to like get into like the overview of the movie and then we can talk more about the specifics, but basically the idea is there's this music teacher played by JK Simmons. Uh, he's, he's like a, I mean, what 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 what, ter what terminology would you use to describe him? A cocksucker. Okay, he's a cocksucker, but I mean, like, like what is like? Is he like a professor? What would what do you call like the person who's in charge of like a like a jazz band at like a college? Um. Well, he's uh a he's a jazz band director. Um, it depends if you go to a a, a college like. University of North Texas, for example, largest music school in the country, you have enough faculty there to have like someone who is dedicated to just doing, you know, jazz band. You know what I mean? Most of the times, like here in Mississippi, my director, he also is the professor of jazz saxophone, for example. So sometimes in programs, you'll have people do multiple roles, but it seems like the way they're trying to portray the Schaefer Conservatory is that he only does the top studio band. He's like the director of the studio band. That's his job description. Yeah, and, um, you know, and, and at the beginning of the movie, they let you know right off the bat that he's like a tough kind of critical uh, person, but then... Um, you see once uh, Miles Teller's character actually gets into the band that uh, he's also a WWE superstar as he throws a chair at the young man. And then you understand the real uh, setup of this movie is, is someone who's uh, insanely overbearing, mentally, physically abusive, um, pushing someone who has a talent and sees something in them and trying to push them to be amazing, to be great. But, you know, doing it in like, not the best of conventions, not the best way, um, in my opinion. It, 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 so <laughs> I'll just put it out there. Um, this won't take anything away from the conversation, but um, 
if you have a music professor or a music teacher who's like anything, who who is like 0.01% anything like Terrence Fletcher in the movie, drop him. Drop him. Go find someone else to study with. Go find someone else to be your mentor. It's a waste of time. There's 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 no benefit for having a teacher like Terrence Fletcher, you know, um, as a professor. And you know, when the movie came out, Logan, it was interesting. A lot of uh, my professors who saw it, you know, it would be like at the beginning of class, and I'd ask, "Oh, have you guys seen Whiplash? What did you think? I thought it was a great movie, you know, for what it was." And they were like, "I mean, yeah, it was a fun movie, but it sort of really paints a bad." picture of like what music education is really like um that's not to say you don't have professors who show you tough love you know there are certainly professors who demand and expect great things from you and you know sometimes they have to lay down the you know the gauntlet and let you know that you're not cutting it but the way terrence fletcher goes about it is just completely completely uh dramatized as to what uh, a jazz band director or any director for that matter would be like yeah i mean and go ahead go, go go ahead i i thought i had something but i didn't oh, okay and like you know i've always understood like the 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 um misunderstood mentor concept i feel like that's always been like a trope in films um so once you take it on a more base level of what the film is, once you remove like the music from it, like the, in the sense of like the cultural behind the culture behind it, when you just look at the movie as bare bones and what it is and the models of the characters, this, this story is really effective as far as like redemption goes. Like, yeah, I, a, I think, it, I think it, story. yeah. And it really shows like the, um, like the things that people are willing to do to accomplish like what they're trying to accomplish. I, I, I was really interested also by like a lot of people have seen this movie and they're like, man, JK Simmons in this movie, you know, Terrence, uh, you said Fletcher. Was that his last name? Yeah. His name's Terrence, Terrence Fletcher. Fletcher. I, I couldn't remember the name for the, these characters at all, but, um, miles, everybody talks about how he's such a dick, but like miles Teller in this movie is like, his character is also a fucking dick. Like, Oh, absolutely. Like, in absolutely. The, he is like so pompous. Like I, I wouldn't I, like, I'm, I'm not going to be this kind of da, 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 this kind of that. But I mean, when you meet truly like people who are like great at their craft, whether it be comedy or music or anything like that, there is always that person or at least that like archetype that like totally is prevalent. And like, if you go to a music school, there's going, there's going to be someone who's super douchey about music or if you go oh, absolutely. to like work on a play or do stand up or whatever, like even even me and Landon used to have a band. By the way, fun fact: not you know, not, he, obviously he's gotten much better since our band because I would not call him a great drummer back then, but I wouldn't call myself a great singer either. But um, oh, I suck. Even in that context of like we were a shitty local band, there were other shitty local bands that were worse than or just as bad as us that thought they were hot fucking shit. It doesn't matter what level of like artistry you're going into. There's always that element of like, Oh, I'm, a t I'm like totally fucking above this. Blah, blah, blah. Do you, do you feel like they captured that correctly? As far as like a music student goes, like, do you know people like miles Teller's character? Oh yeah. Uh, um, maybe not exactly. Um, maybe not exactly like miles Teller, but, Definitely people, yes, there are people who come to music school with inflated egos, and I think either people learn that they're not as hot as they think they are, or they just continue to have an inflated ego because people pat them on the back for being so good. Yeah. Does that make sense? Definitely. I think that's always an issue. I, I feel like um because it's hard. It's it's no matter where you go, it's hard if someone's coming in you know, 
playing their parts correctly, you know, um, coming and prepared, knowing their music. It's very difficult for a professor to um, come out and uh, dis- I guess discipline them in such a way where it's it's not like sports. Yeah, I, okay? I, I, so I think. For example, I think the big thing is not to interrupt you, but I just want to make this point. I think the hard thing to do is just like you can't teach like you can try to teach somebody to be humble, but that's something that they have to have done to themselves. They have to have something that humbled them if they're truly so far up their own ass. And the issue is that there are people that are incredible at music and then they they really aren't ever humbled until one day their big heads get in the way of like a great opportunity or a learning opportunity. And then they're left behind. Cause that's the number one thing is like, if you want to get anywhere and I, and I think that this is something the movie kind of ignores a little bit is if you really want to get somewhere, you also have to be humble. Yeah. This, this business is about relationships. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if you're burning, you're not going to get far in the music business. If you burn bridges, even if it's someone that you do not like, or even if it's someone that you can't stand, if if there's there's anything that's you know really hard to do in the music business is you know burn bridges, especially when you're starting out. Once you get you know to a certain point where you have you know sort of like a security net or a safety blanket of you know close contacts who have further contacts, and you know you're uh web of influences reaching out to other people you know then you can start to be a little pick and choosy about who you decide to work with but in the beginning it's for someone starting out you know you gotta like roll with the punches you gotta deal with shitty people so um getting back onto the movie and that that's a great point um but getting back onto the movie a little bit how how accurate was the actual physical music aspect of it. Like were people like legitimately playing instruments? Could you tell that the, these people were like, actually there was actually like musicians cast to play these characters. Like what's something you notice? Cause so, my favorite thing is when musicians watch movies and they're able to pick up on inconsistencies. And it's like, you're not really playing guitar right now. Like how accurate is whiplash to the actual music itself? Oh, not at all. And Adam Neely has uh, a review on this movie. He's a very popular YouTuber in the music uh, music side of YouTube. And if you're interested in learning about why uh, actors who can't play instruments are hired rather than musicians who can play their instruments, it's, it's simply because it's a money thing. They have to spend more money on the musicians that can actually play their, you know, instrument versus. Well, I think that's most hiring maybe, someone. Maybe not this movie for the two main leads, but definitely like the other musicians that were in the film definitely could have been real musicians. And from what I understand, a lot of them weren't. Yeah. So they're just miming the entire time and they do a very nice job. I accept uh, the drummers for some reason. It's a movie about drumming, but the drumming looks the most fake out of anything. Now, I, I do know that Miles does drum a little bit, so like where he could get away with like actually playing, that would happen. Uh, obviously, he's not like you know doing the shit. Like he's not doing the fucking the solo at the fucking surprise like concert and shit. Like he's not doing that for real. But um, I, I just I just wonder like from a from a this is like from the film critic in me. Do you feel like for you, when you see like how obvious their fake instruments are, like how obvious their like fake music playing is, does it actually affect and ruin the movie for you? And do you feel like that's like somebody needs to make a movie where they play the real instruments or are you just like whatever about it? Uh, I'm whatever about it. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the experience of the movie. If it does, then, you know, like, poo on me because it's just like um, I'm just finding a reason not to enjoy the movie you know what I mean it, 
jazz drumming is such an intricate type of, you know, drumming that it, no matter who you are, it's very difficult to recreate that kind of artistry. Yeah. It takes years. And Miles Teller just isn't a jazz drummer. And what little drumming experience that he has, you know, it's, it's not enough to make him look like a real jazz drummer. If yeah. you ask me if Miles Taylor looks like a real jazz drummer, I'm going to tell you no. Does not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that it makes don't sense. Don't even get me started about how their hands start bleeding. That's just retarded. Hey, what do you, first of all, not, not the most PG of words landed. Second of all, I'm just kidding. We won't get canceled. But, um, what do you mean? Like that never happens. Like you, your hands have never bled from drumming. No, <laughs> I love that. I mean, you got pretty big no. hands though. No, no, I, it's not even about, it's not even about, um, now see, here's the, here's the thing. If you're, if you're a jazz drummer and your hands are bleeding, you're doing something technically wrong. Like plus, shouldn't he already be like he should already be covered in calluses, right? If he's a drummer, you know what I mean? No, there's no no, there's no calluses in 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 drumming per se. Now, okay, so I'm gonna list a couple names of drummers who definitely have calluses. One of them being Vinnie Paul from Pantera. There are videos of him backstage showing his hands, and he's got like layers of dead skin on his hands now he hits harder than an mf'er you know he hits the drums really hard with wait 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 wait, wait. are you saying were you silencing motherfucker yeah landed you you can say motherfucker the issue was the word you used in particular well you know you can I can see why I can see why that word might I can see why that word is, is triggering and you know allow me to don't apologize worry. for you're not getting canceled, Landon. It. It's fine. I just I was just blown away by the fact that you also then later censored yourself to MFR, which is so funny. Well, but um, I you know that's that's me learning. You know maybe I should be able. I you know I don't want to turn people off from you know the podcast, but you know just. Just so you know, this is something I'm very passionate about, and I'm not really thinking as I'm going. I'm no, just for kind sure, of yeah. Landon is what I would call a like professional reviewer for this in particular because he just has more than I have in order to like accurately review the music itself. But um, so an- another question, um. In regards to like the whole like music, like like is there like a hierarchy of like different bands in college, and is it like competitive? So I'll use um, the University of North Texas again. Um, if anyone who's a musician in school listens to this podcast you'll know that the University of North Texas is the largest music school in the country. And they have many jazz bands. I, I can't give you an exact number, but I know it's around 10 to 12 big bands. And they're not having any problems filling those big bands. So, and for people who don't know, a big band literally means a big band. So you have 17 players Max, uh, even 19 players, maybe, um, for each part of the big band. And they have the one o'clock band, which is the top band, the two o'clock, the three o'clock, the four o'clock. It's not very creative. You, you know, you get the gist. It goes from one to, I think, nine, and then there's no special names. Are... Yeah, no. That's hilarious. For example, for example, like a uh, uh, couple semesters ago, I th- actually this time last spring, I was in a, uh, a group called, actually last fall, I was in a group called the Tried and True Trio. There have been groups in my school called the Artful Art Blakeys, you know, kind of punny. It, it kind of punny, but, you know, for the most part, um, 
they had names, but you know, when you have a school that big, you know, it's really goes into like making names. I don't know why it's called the one o'clock band or the two o'clock band, but that's I imagine how they divvy things up. It might be how they when they play things, right? <laughs> Am I wrong? In like a huge concert, well, would they play in? Well, I guess not because the one o'clock one's the number one band, right? Yeah, it, you know the one o'clock is playing very difficult music, but you know so is the two o'clock, and so is the three o'clock, and so is the four o'clock, and obviously the difficulty you know gets lighter and lighter as you go down, but um, usually those bands, as you move up the ranks complies of musicians that you know have certain skills polished you know yeah they're like they're instead of being like a jack of all trades they're like good at their very individual thing right is that what you're saying sure sure Um, yeah maybe that may be the case but maybe the musicians in the one o'clock band you know are they have more well they are the more mature players but have more experience playing in a big band, have more experience playing with people that are of the same skill level or greater than. Um, The drummer might be very solid on reading charts or technique. You know, it all just depends. And you might, you know, know, understand harmony. And that can play a big part into, you know, the deciding process. Um, you know, who gets to be in the band. Now, are, are, are there any as cutthroat as in it's Whiplash? The across the board. Are there any like, as cutthroat in Whiplash where it's essentially like you moved up to I, like the number one band and then like one missed rehearsal or one fuck up at practice could end you up being kicked out of the band? Have you ever heard of, has anybody like really been dropped because they just weren't keeping up? Like not in a dramatic sense, like, oh, get out of here right now. But did you see someone like, reach a point and then because they reached that point they just like started to crumble and just like fell fell out like is that something you see in performing and dealing with all these bands and like being a part of the community um so i wouldn't say that you've got for me from my experience you gotta really just be a lazy dude to or excuse me a lazy person to um you know, get that kind of treatment. The you're not cutting it. Um, you're not holding up to the standard in which has been set. You know, and we're going to have to let you go. Yeah, no, there. I've I've seen people get let go from bands, and it that's just how it is, man. In the real world, here's what happens. Let's say. Logan, you hire me for a gig because you like the way I play. But uh, I let's say, okay, I had a little traffic issue and I'm a couple minutes late. But what if? Up. But what if you got in a car crash? Would I still not let you? Would I still well, not hire no, you? If you, if you, if you, if you <laughs> Just me, referencing if you Whiplash me, again, um, where he literally got into a car crash and then like they had to like rush yeah, over. That's not. That's not. That's not. That's, you, you know, life. Like, music is music. Life, your life is way more important than music, even if music is your life. And if you think that, if, you, if you're someone that, you know, disagrees with that, you know, by all means, you're entitled to your opinion, but your life is more important than your ability to play music. Um, and, you know, that's just, that's just create, I don't know, a catharsis. Yeah, in the uh, movie, you know, mm-hmm. it's just part of the movie. But I mean, like yeah, I'm saying, it's a part of it say, being like finally, like oh fuck, like I, I'm, 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 no matter what I do, I'm getting kicked out of this band because this guy's like, this guy's level of importance is like too high. Like the level he's trying to get everybody at is out of, as out of well, the question. It's also unreach, you know, it's also unreachable. I mean, if you if you listen to, you know, Charlie Parker, if you like dive into, not just listen to Charlie Parker, but if you understand sort of his backstory, you know, a lot of that is true for the most part. Joe Jones, if spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, 
um, three, two, one. In the movie, it's a big deal that Charlie Parker, you know, could play the saxophone, but he wasn't that good. And that drummer Joe Jones, while Charlie Parker was playing, decided, hey, you're not cutting it. Get off the stage. Because he was in amongst, you know, really good musicians. And, you know, I think in uh, Clint Eastwood's um, movie Bird, there's like 50 other saxophonists there. And Bird is just not cutting it. So Joe Jones, you know, says, get off the stage. Let someone else come on the stage. Which, you know, wasn't, you know, that's not a good thing, you know, but times are, times are different back then. You know, people's attitude towards things are different back then. And, you know, people were very proud of being musicians. Yeah. More so than I think they are today, but, you know, but that's like their livelihood. So um, that's, that gets into a little bit more nitty gritty type, you know, psychology behind music. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think this movie, like, but it's true wants that, to it's attack true that, that as well. Um, it, it, it's true that Charlie Parker spent a considerable amount of time after that event practicing and reinventing himself to the legend, like, to obtain the legendary status that, you know, he's been given. And, and what movie is that again? Um, well, it's Clint Eastwood's biopic. Uh, I think it's just called Bird. All right, yeah, we should definitely also uh, talk about that at some point then, since like you have yeah, that's a good movie. Author. Yeah, if whatever. By the way, un- unrelated, we'll we'll get to more talk about the movie in a second. But uh, we want to keep doing this. So if there's like a music movie you want to hear, my friend, the musician Landon, talk about, please leave it in the comments because we love suggestions, and that's that's kind of like I, I don't want to do I don't want to come up with ideas like you guys should come up with them for us, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Back to uh, Whiplash a little bit. Um, what was your favorite scene in the whole movie? Like, what's the one where you're like, fuck, this is a good movie at the scene? Like, what's the one that really sticks out to you? Um, oddly enough, the dinner table scene. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. When I was rewatching this, I'm like, Landon's favorite scene is going to be the dinner table scene because he, because like, I'm not saying you get so much shit for being a drummer, but I just know that like, that's something you'd obviously relate to is like people talking about sports or like whatever endlessly in like a lower grade. And you're like, I'm out here fucking slaying drums and nobody's talking about it. I knew that's exactly what you'd say. I like knew that'd be your favorite scene. Yeah. You know, the, the drum solo at the end, you know, would be my, I, I think at some point in everyone's life, and I wholeheartedly believe this, because I've lived through it, and I'm sure everyone else who has played the drums has lived through this, you know, we all want to achieve that one drum solo that stamps us you know it's like so it, i don't know i don't know who it is i don't know if it's like god or you know the 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 um drummer who invented drumming the caveman who invented or the drumming, devil you know or the devil for that matter i don't know like it's like this drum solo that gives you like this seal of approval that all the time you've spent in the practice room and all the time you've spent schlepping gear and um you know, building relationships and having to live from gig to gig to gig, you know, only making 50 bucks a night, 75 bucks a night, a hundred bucks if you're lucky, um, have this, you know, big moment where it's your moment, you're showing off what you can do and everyone's like, damn, this is the shit. Yeah. I mean that, that drum solo, I mean, Obviously, the pinnacle of the movie, the the moment where J.K. Simmons' character and Miles Teller are finally like on the same page, where it's like you're meeting the excellence that I want, and like I'm I'm here. Like it was the first time in the movie, and the only time in the movie where you saw like J.K. Simmons as as dark and fucking twisted as his character is. He was like, "This is what I've been waiting for. This is your moment. This is like your greatness. Like I'm I'm here to like accompany you with it." He's like there helping him directing him in that moment where he's like having this amazing fucking drum solo. And that's a really great scene. Um, 
And I think that's the one that always, like, people always talk about is, like, the drum solo and Whiplash is, like, the greatest scene in the movie. And you could say that. I, I really like this underrated scene where he goes and he breaks up with his girlfriend, Melissa Benoist, played by Melissa Benoist, where he's basically like, I don't fucking have time to, like, be with you like or be around you and it's like that's the moment where you really saw like not just his narcissism like take a play in like his personal life but also like the effect that jk simmons pressure put on him to where he felt like he couldn't even like have a girlfriend because he's so busy drumming and yeah that's relatable in some ways i know there are people out there who generally like have ended relationships over college and stuff and you know that's that's totally real and i'm not trying to diminish how people feel that way but i think it's so fucked up that he was like really happy that he got to talk to this person and then he squandered his chance and it was all because of the amount of pressure so what i want to say about that and what i think the movie wants to say about that too is that if you're putting that much pressure on an artist i think that positive reinforcement is a good thing too because i don't think that that character would have done that thing if jk simmons character even once had said Oh, that was a really good job. Like it, it costs you nothing as a person to to share, respect, compliment, like not like encourage an artist. Like to discourage an artist could be that the moment where you just stop somebody from becoming like the next Elton John or the next like Dave Chappelle. When you like don't incur like when you just like say something negative like why are you trying to do that why, why are you trying to landon why are you trying to go to school to be a drummer like logan why are you trying to do podcasts people like that are possibly killing somebody who could make something really great so what i say to everybody and i think what wish whiplash was trying to say too is that you should always encourage artists you can be honest you can say like that wasn't good if it wasn't good but if they were good and you're just being a hater like fuck you like you don't know the kind of damage you can do. And you don't know how much it could mean if you just tell somebody, hey, I think it's really cool you're trying to do that. It means the world. Yeah. No, yeah. You know, I... Um, let's see. I was talking to one of my professors about this. Because what we see in, in music schools is, you know, once teachers sort of become tenured or when they are just starting out, they tend to really try to let, um, they try to like build this, like, I think you're the shit type of, uh, mentality when really you're not. So I call it like people who look for validation versus affirmations which are, you know, being validated and being affirmed are completely two different things. Absolutely. That's, that is a hundred percent true. Uh, you know, but like they both, it's like, it's weird because it can come off as like almost being like the same thing. I call it like, you know, getting pats on the backs, you know, for, you know, he, Terrence talks about this in the movie about, you know, telling people, you know, it's detrimental to their career if they tell people, if he tells people, you know, good job. And I don't necessarily believe that to be true, but there comes a point where you as a teacher are failing the student because you are um, validating, you know, I don't want to, you could be a good player, but maybe you're holding yourself back because you play in your comfort zone or because you play with people who aren't better than you and you're playing with people who are not as good as you and you feel like you're. Yeah. Like to um, me, a statement like that isn't discouraging. It's, it's more of what we were talking about where like it is criticism and it's good criticism. But at the end of the day, if you're telling somebody, I think you can play better but you're not trying hard enough, or I think you're not playing with good enough people to make yourself better. That's basically saying like, it's in you. You just need to redirect your energy. You just need to try harder or do this or do that. But you're still yeah. saying it's yeah. in you. And that's, that's the key. You can't just be like, Oh my God, you're the greatest, but you also can't be like, why would you even try to do this? 
and and people act like, oh, that's such an obvious statement to make. Of course, you need to be in the middle. But the fact is that a lot of people do have a hard time towing that line because when you're talking about being an artist in whatever way it is, whether it be music or comedy or, you know, like actually like painting or whatever it is, um, it, it it's it's an incredible. Not only is it a really competitive area, so everybody like feels like validation is like so hard to come by. It's also like. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hard to fail process in the sense, like if you fail once, that's insane because you're, you should fail probably a hundred times while you're trying to be the best drummer or comedian or podcaster you can. And it's important I to mean, have validation, but to not be encouraged like, Oh, like that you, you think you fucked that up? Well, you actually didn't. You were amazing. Like, no, it things need to be truthful in order for people to grow and improve as artists. And I think that that's something that like the characters in whiplash did not represent, you know, like it didn't show like, like if you were miles teller and every day you were getting chairs thrown at you and told you're worthless, like, yeah, you may be hungry to still be a great drummer, but like you might've also just discouraged somebody who was told their whole life. They couldn't do it. They walked in the door. You instantly said they couldn't do it. And now they're never going to have the chance. And unfortunately, unfortunately, man, you know, here's the reality. Like, that's that's where, like, that's where people. There's some truth to it. Unfortunately, there's some truth to it. If you can't take criticism, and if you can't. Um, but that's what we're distinguishing. Like criticism right. is not the same as saying someone is fully incapable or shouldn't try at all. That's not criticism. Uh, yeah, I see what you. I see what I see. I see what you're saying. I like, see what, like, I see what you're driving. J.K. At. Simmons I, in this film isn't criticizing people. <laughs> that's just fact. I mean, when he says you're the, yeah, I only brought this other drummer in to inspire you. What he's saying about that other drummer is he's like, that fucking dude could never hold a candle to you ever. And maybe he's right, but that's not, that, that's not like factual 100%. Like he doesn't know for sure because that person's, had, they, their potential is unlocked. You never fucking know. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I'm, you know, I, I do agree. But at the same time, there are people who just, I call them people who don't want to hear it. I think it's, I think there are people who don't want to accept the truth. And I don't think here's something. I don't think it's anyone's place to tell anyone that this isn't for them. If you're trying and you're trying to get better and you're getting better each and every day, 1% better than you were yesterday. Like, as a teacher, I would be proud of you. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's also about, like, just because someone doesn't have the potential to become, like, let's just say, like, the greatest drummer of all time. Let's say someone wants to be, and they don't have the potential. That doesn't mean that their rise and their grind and their push isn't worth having. If you, drum, if you drummed every day of your life and you committed none of it to professionalism, and you did it because you just wanted to get better every single day, like, that's incredible and valid. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to be the greatest drummer ever. You don't even, I mean, like, as, sure. I, I think no, that... It's not, that's not, that's a very, it's a very, it's a very poor mindset. It's a very poor mindset to have because at the end of the day, we're mortals, okay? Buddy Rich, they mentioned Buddy Rich a lot in, uh, you know, they mentioned Buddy Rich a lot in the movie. And I do have some things to say about Buddy Rich later, which I'm sure someone in the comment section is going to be like, oh, Buddy Rich was this drummer who was a band leader. And who well, was why a, don't you, uh, just, you know, just, a just go ahead and say it now. You're talking about the other review, right? And like you're going to mention, so go ahead. After, after this uh, point, um, I mean. Um, oh, shoot. Lose your point. Lose your state of mind. Lose your, lose your train of thought. Yeah, I did. Can it's you just so like easy to do. Too? We were talking about um, potentialism. We were talking about like uh, a crappy mindset. Um, 
and like people obsessed with like Buddy oh, yeah. Rich. So being so wanting so wanting to be the world's greatest drummer. Um. Hey, do you? There's. This is actually. Can Can you give me like a moment? I'm gonna read a quote from a book. Is this, Is this okay? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, I'll just okay. real quick, I'll be right back. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna promo my other pods real fast. If you liked listening to this, which we're gonna get, obviously we're not over yet, but I'm just saying this, you know, in time. But um, you can check out my other YouTube channels. Uh, you can check it out YouTube.com/slash/CrossCutCinema. Me and my friends uh, review films. Um. We haven't really done anything super music heavy. I think that that just happens to be like coincidence, but like I think I'm mainly going to do music stuff on this sh- on the this show. Uh, you can also check out a pilot podcast, youtube.com slash a pilot podcast, where me, uh, Franny, my fiance, and uh, recording artist and pop star, CL Blue, review television shows, everything from anime to foreign TV to sitcoms to soap operas we do everything and we what we do is we review the pilot episode um and then we tell you based on that pilot episode whether you should continue watching the show or not without any spoilers about the rest of the show um so yeah if you're into that that's something you can check out too uh where where are we at on the quote landon landon now he's still getting his quote okay um let's see here hey you know i'm just gonna pause real fast and then i'll start it again once we are good there go ahead uh so i couldn't find the book i was looking for but um if you're interested in picking it up it's uh titled the art of bop drumming by john riley he is the um, drum set teacher at the Manhattan School of Music, um, one of the leading educators on drum set. Uh, he has a quote. I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact quote. But he has a quote in his book where, yeah, wanting to be the world's greatest drummer is a commendable you know, goal. But you have to think realistically. You have to kind of narrow down your goals to a more realistic, um, you know, pursuit. Because if everyone wanted to be the world's greatest drummer, then we wouldn't have all the drummers. I wrote a paper on this, you know, my sophomore year called the, uh, the Buddy Rich Effect, where there was a period in time where Buddy Rich was so popular that everyone wanted to be like Buddy Rich. And if that notion were to have continued, you know, we wouldn't have great drummers like Steve Gadd, Dave Weckl, Vinny Caliuta, Dennis Chambers, Daphnis Prieto, and many other drummers who, you know, don't do things exactly like Buddy Rich, but you know, have developed their own signature on the drums and have developed their own following as drummers. But um, basically the, the gist of that was to, you know, it's not really a realistic goal to want to be the world's greatest anything. And like, if your goals are lower, like if you're just somebody who's like, you know, I want to be a drummer and like, a fun band that I'll like play on the weekends or if you're somebody who's like, I want to be a drummer, but in the sense that like, you know, you're making like music for like commercials or whatever. Like it doesn't matter in any art form. Like as far as like, you you should just be going for what you want to go for. You know what I mean? And, and, and like, and it yeah. is good to like keep your expectations realistic. Cause you never know what's going to come from that. I, I know like if you just look at Elton John, right. As far as like a musician, uh, he was playing piano in his living room, and his grandmother happened to like hear, and he he did it by ear. So so she he gets an offer from a random tutor to go to like a great music school, and his whole thing was he just wanted somewhere to play piano that wasn't at home because his mother would yell at him. So something as small as I wanted to be able to play piano, just not at my house. Basically, not necessarily being so much about the love for piano, although it is but also is just like an escapism from his home turned him eventually into Elton fucking John. So you never know, sure. the, but the goal is 
like, yeah, you, you should be realistic. You should be assertive and, and strong with your goal and don't let why nots and like negative people get in your way in the sense of like, what, why, like, why are you doing this? Like you shouldn't do that, but keep people in your inner circle that are going to be like, you could do that better. You could get better. Like I see it in you. You don't want any of the opposite ends of like, Oh, you're fucking amazing. Or, Oh, you shouldn't try it at all. And like, you know, like it's like Landon said, like if it wasn't, if, if it, if you're not going to be buddy rich, you might still be a drummer of significance. And if you're, if you're a drummer of significance to at least one other person, you're also inspiring somebody else. And that's worth something that's worth a lot actually, because I know for a fact that, like Landon, if if he never landed like an insane gig, like if he did small gigs, I mean, I'm not saying you wouldn't land a big gig because obviously I know you're super talented, but if he just did like small things for the rest of his life, I know he'd be happy because he's always practicing. He's always improving as a drummer. Whenever we hang out, he's on his trump pad the whole time or he's talking about music or he's doing this. And I love that about him. And, and the reason why I love talking to Landon about this stuff and the reason why I had this idea is because when people are passionate about this, and passionate about, you know, doing their art and making their art, like, they're already succeeding. Landon, in my opinion, is already a professional drummer, even if he doesn't want to use that terminology. In my opinion, well, because he's doing what he wants know, to do. Um, I, I was asked, uh, I was asked, I had a lesson with um, a guy named Hal Galper, who um, isn't a drummer, he's a pianist. Um, and he asked me if I played professionally and my idea of playing professionally would be like selling out arenas or selling out, you know, selling tickets at a club or, you know, something bigger than, you know, playing coffee shops or, you know, being an opening act for a club. And he asked me, do you play gigs for money? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, then you're a professional. Exactly. Exactly. So, like it, it's not always about the big scope. Like, especially the, a, that is a good a, point. Once you make money. Oh, go ahead. I had a professor who in my private lessons would share me, share with me his opinions about, um, so my jazz combo when I was living in Florida uh, we were contracted to play, you know, like private events and, you know, the uppity parts of um, Jacksonville. And I had a professor who played with the Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra who would express that he thinks it's wrong that I'm getting paid and students the student group is getting paid $150 per gig when the orchestra members are only getting paid like 112 per service. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? It's like, I, I can't control that. I can't control what I'm paid. You know, it just so happens that what I'm doing is getting me paid more than what you're doing. I don't understand why, you have to give me this whole spiel about why you think it's wrong, you know? And then I confided with another professor and he was like, yeah, if you're making money, like that's in, I asked him, you know, like, what do you think about all that? And he's like, well, now you understand why I don't play with the orchestra unless I'm really, unless they're really needing me to play with them because they don't pay that well. And that's why I do corporate gigs and get paid, you know, $250 per gig or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So that was a, that was an aspect, that was an aspect of, you know, my music education where teachers tend to be salty when students are doing well. And I can't explain why that is. And I don't try to waste any of my mental energy figuring out. I, I mean, myself away from that. Situation. I don't want to. I don't want to speak for anybody. But in my opinion, that sounds like jealousy. I'm just being real. But um, yeah, to, on their I, part, I, I agree. 
hundred percent. All right, so let's let's go ahead and rate this movie, and then if you have any extra points you wanted to add on, I'd love to hear it. But uh, as far as Whiplash goes, in my opinion, it is an eight out of ten. You can rate it however you want. I always do numbers. Um, I think that the standout performance in it is obviously J.K. Simmons, but people need to understand, and I think J.K. Simmons said it himself, is you don't get his performance without like the like the under the toned like very laid back early aspects of miles teller's performance um i think he's also great in this movie but uh it's just something i wanted to mention because i know people are all about jk simmons in this film people meme on it people say it was like the best performance of his life and like maybe it is i I think that's very possible but it doesn't happen without the duality of having a miles teller to, uh, to having he needed a child to scream at you know what i mean and he needed that child to be somebody who was formidable and able to handle his screaming but still be uh, intimidated, like on screen by J.K. Simmons's character. Um, so that that's my thoughts on Whiplash. Do you have any extra thoughts? And what do you rate right. it? Do you remember that J.K. Simmons plays uh, Juno's dad in the movie Juno? Do not tell me that you like him better in Juno, because I swear to God. I, no, no, no. The the performance is completely, you know, they're they're unmatched. But you know, it's just it's it's funny to me that. Like my first introduction to J.K. Simmons was his ability to convey love and compassion for his child, and then he could turn it around. You know that he's a formidable actor. He's incredible. You know, I didn't even think you know, about that. You know, Good like point. the fact that he can go from you know a loving father to your worst nightmare is just outstanding. And like I know it's not music related, but I think we should also a thousand percent cover Juno since it. I don't know if it is still your favorite movie, but it definitely was your favorite movie for a long time. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I had a crush on Ellen Page before I realized that you know she, um, was lesbian. Yeah, we're actually uh, Elliot Page now. Oh, that's. That's uh, that, you know that's just crazy. I don't keep up with anything on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Much, just just like, so you know, it was like a pretty bombshell uh, <laughs> thing. Ellen Page is now Elliot Page. Just throwing that out there. Had the surgery you know that. and everything. Um, but like obviously, Landon is like literally not involved in looking at any sort of pop culture, not jazz related, because like his his whole life is drumming. So <laughs> he doesn't. I ever... mean, that's not. I have other interests. I have other interests. I like to cook. I but watch but none kitchen. but none of them are related to pop culture. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, like no, this is not your culture, vibe. Like me, me, I have um, a very strong opinions on pop culture. But in terms of Whiplash, I give it a seven point five. Nice. Is there anything else you wanted to talk uh, about with the movie? Um. So I thought we would get to, um, you know, talking about Adam, like uh, talking a little bit about Adam Neely's review of the movie. But um, in the comments below, if you want to hear, we're gonna, the next movie we're going to do is The Sound of Metal, mm-hmm. which is very much a completely different movie. But drumming has something to do with it. If you want to hear in the beginning of the podcast. You know, my opinion, like, real quick about Buddy Rich and Adam Neely's review on I mean, Whiplash. if you want to just give it now, we have time. I just, I'm just, I'm out of questions. I, I feel like I've said everything I need to say. If you want to give it now, we got time. I mean, we got a good amount of time if you want to, like, go over it real fast. Yeah, so I'll just make it quick. Go for it. Um, The people who talk the most shit about Buddy Rich are people who don't know him who were born decades later than him and or have been fired from his gig. So you ask those people what Buddy Rich was like, they'll say he was a monster. He, you couldn't work with him. He wanted things his way. It was his way or the highway. You know, things like that. You hear these legendary bus tapes on YouTube of Buddy Rich scolding his band 
here's the thing. He's running a business and people pay good money to see Buddy Rich play. As much as he, you know, as much as the music is exciting and as much as, you know, without the musicians, the Buddy Rich big band wouldn't be a thing. But at the end of the day, like Buddy Rich still didn't need to have a big band to be Buddy Rich. You know what I mean? He did what he loved to do and he did it. He gave himself 110%. I'm not saying I would have liked him, but he he really is sort of like, at least in my mind, should be a role model for drummers today, even if people aren't really playing like Buddy Rich because of how great he was. Yeah, I mean, Adam Neely talks about how Adam Neely ha- talks about how like Elvin Jones or Tony Williams were beyond Buddy Rich's years, or you know, just way better than Buddy Rich. I think he even says that. I, you can, someone can in the comments can fact check, but in so, at some point during his review, he talks about how Elvin Jones and Tony Williams were better than, you know, Buddy Rich. And I just got to say that's BS. That is absolute BS. No one, no one, even today, no one is better than Buddy Rich. Yeah, I mean, just just of what I know of Buddy Rich, it's like, first of all, an, an iconic person in general like i feel like people have heard that name even if they don't know fucking shit about dick but also there is the the thing that was always told to me even in just my music history class alone is that you can talk all the shit you want about buddy rich as the person but buddy rich the the brand and the work ethic is unparalleled yeah yeah um you know they say they say James Brown was the hardest working man in show business, and that might be true. That might be true, but I would say Buddy Rich is up there as being one of the hardest working people in show business. Keeping a big band on the road for so many years after big band literally died, like big band uh, used to be, you know, what people did in New York. They go see big bands. They go to dance halls. And, you know, they just dwindled and dwindled until only a few of them on the road were left. And Buddy Rich was, you know, one of the hottest bands still on the road. And he played better than anybody well into the end of his life. Do you think that big bands, um, well, first of all, um, I just I have two questions actually. That's his two parter. One, do you think that big bands are like capable of coming back in a big commercial way in this climate or like the way music's done? And secondly, if you wanted to work in a big band, like what what is the dream goal? Is it like working on like a film score? Is it like working at like a big conservatory or like a big concert hall? Like what is the dream? For like a for like a drummer that wants to be in like a big performing band, like what what is what is the goal? What is the number one? To put a roof over my head. <laughs> I know, I know, but like, what what is like the thing that's like the creme de la creme? Like that shit is the most insane shit to happen to a drummer. Is like if they get this job, like, is it like working for somebody like Hans Zimmer, like you know, doing like a movie score? Like what's like no, what I'm saying no, is exactly. what's what's sexy in drumming? Like what do people want to do? Well, what people want to do is, well, here, what people want to do today is drum for 30 seconds to a minute on Instagram and get a bunch of likes and be free advertising for, you know, all the different companies that, you know, are involved with drumming. Now, that I'm not saying is bad on the companies. I think that's bad on developing, you know, musicianship. And that can be a conversation for another time. But, you know, I I think it's 
you know, I want to be known as someone who is a musician who happens to play drums. I want companies to approach me not only because, you know, I have a following, you know, I want a following, but I want a following because people listen to my music or people are listening to the music that I'm involved with. You know, I, for me as a drummer, I'm more concerned with accompanying people and helping people realize their musical vision rather than like being someone who composes and, you know, uh, is is like Quincy Jones or Herbie Hancock. I'm not super interested in that. Well, um, Landon, I'm I, interested in. I, I was going to say, in, go ahead. I'm interested in helping people realize and being a part of a musical conversation. And if you know people want to approach me, you know, with um, you know, a deal, you know, saying. Hey, we want you to rep. I want to represent a a brand because I believe in the brand, and I believe that the brand helps me create music effortlessly. Not okay. I can get this brand so many views and get so many people thinking about this brand that all I have to do is show that I play this brand of sticks. Symbols, drums, drum heads, microphones, cameras. That it becomes less about me and more about what I can do for that company. Well, Does that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, just to top it off, uh, uh, Landon, um, I did want to point out the fact that uh, because of the podcasts. Now thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people have heard your music now that wouldn't have heard it otherwise. Um, I do want to take this opportunity. Is there anything you want to plug? Is there like a Instagram or anything that you wanted to mention? Um, anything like that? Well, um, sure. You can follow me at S-M-O-O-T-H-S. Blackburn, my that's that's kind of like the name I've been given. Uh, Smooth. It's my middle name's S, and um, people may think because I shaved my head that's why I go by Smooths. But um, <laughs> I pl- I played someone like someone asked me, "Hey man, can I see your press roll?" As like as you know, just like. Yeah, let's see how good your press roll is. Like, Little do oh, they know, the reason drummer? you shaved your hair was your balding Judaism. Yeah, my... <sighs> God. <laughs> I mean, let's be accurate. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, because I, also I was bald. You know, my dad still hates it. That you're dad bald? does not like it. Yeah, really? my dad does not like it. I would totally yeah. see him as the kind of guy who'd be into like the bald head thing. I thought he'd make oh, fun no, of he hates it. it. He, he, oh, no, he hates it. Really? I don't know why. My mom, my mom thinks I have a goofy looking head, but I don't think not you look, all of us. I don't think it looks bad. I not, not all of us can be like Joe Rogan, looking good with a bald head. Dude, Joe Rogan looks like a thumb, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. Joe Rogan looks wrong. Um, anyway. He's like five foot two. Like he looks awful. But anyway, guys, um, if you liked this, you can, you can follow me. If you can, you can follow oh, yeah, me at Smooth Blackburn, Smooth Blackburn underscore on Instagram. Um, I do plan on posting a little bit more content, um, but I am not a very active, uh, poster, but, and everybody in the uh, comments whenever con- I have- convince Landon to get a YouTube as well. I don't know if he does, but you should guys, you guys should convince him to do it. Um, uh, um but- I do, I do plan on posting more stuff and I do plan on creating more music for Crosscut Cinema. And if you're interested in, if you have a, you know, Crosscut uh, is and a pilot podcast, just wanted to point that out. And, and, and all of our podcasts, he does the music for all of them, and it's great. Um, if you're looking for for music that is a little bit more, I guess, organic than like royalty free music, uh. Feel free to DM me on Instagram and we can work something out. 
Alrighty, guys. Um, be sure to like, comment, subscribe. If you're listening to this off of YouTube, please go to all my different YouTube channels. Like I said, I'll leave I'll leave them in the description of wherever this is posted. I'll also leave the link that Landon mentioned. Um, thank you guys so much. Next time, like Landon said, we're gonna be back with Sound of Metal. And if there's any other music related films, especially films about drumming, because I feel like he's definitely the expert on that, that you want us to review, please leave them in the comments. We'd love your guys' suggestions. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good one.